go online to citr.ca. Are you not sure where to go on campus? Traveling late at night and afraid to go alone? Call SafeWalk, a free service where a co-ed team will take you anywhere you need to go on campus. Don't walk alone. For a walk, add SafeWalk to your phone. Call 604-822-5355. That's 604-822-5355. Alternatively, use a UBC Blue phone and ask for SafeWalk. Approach any SafeWalk team or drop by our office on the main floor of the sub across from the gallery lounge. Because you're mine, I walk the line. Hi, I'm John K. Sampson from the Weaker Thans, and you are listening to CITR 101.9 FM.
Welcome to the Arts Report for October 1st, 2014. Tonight on the show, Arts Reporters Christine Kim and Sahar Asaf talk about the UBC theater production of Twelfth Night. I will fill you in on Carmen. The new book, The Elusive Mr. Pond, and artist Michael Murkowski is in the studio to talk about his upcoming event, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening, everybody. Very excited to have a guest in the studio. Thanks for coming in, Michael. We're going to turn him on in a little bit. Um, But first, I wanted to talk about Twelfth Night. There's been a lot of raving about it. Um, UBC Theater, Mistaken Identity, Romance, Misbehavior, all that and more can be found in Theater UBC's production of William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, which sets the classic play during a new... (laughs) I'm just laughing, during a New Orleans Mardi Gras celebration. Um, And so people that have listened to the show know that I love Shakespeare, and I'm inherently against modern adaptations (laughs) in their various forms, although perhaps I'm kind of like being unrealistic. Um, I'm kind of a purist. And actually, maybe you don't recall, Michael, but um, when you were here before, can you hear yourself through the headphones? I'll just pop you on here. Uh, when you were here before, we were talking about Macbeth, and we actually read a That's monologue right. together. <laughs> right. You were Duncan, and I was Lady Macbeth. That's right. That was fun slash embarrassing for me. But um, I have this theory about Shakespeare that you don't have to be a good actor to do it. I don't hmm. know if you agree. But you can just say it. The writing is so good that you can essentially just say it. Like, if you're a good actor, then it's icing on the cake. Yeah. But, like, I went to see um, in, in, like, Langley, they had, like, just kind of regular folks doing Julius Caesar and kind of people that you might see at the mall and stuff. Yeah. And they did a good job. Really? It was, like, a great play. Of, huh. Definitely one of the kind of tighter plays I've seen of Shakespeare. Like, it's just really packed mm-hmm. with kind of... You know, it wasn't whimsical. It was very political, very tight kind of intrigue, Um, but awesome. Yeah, I guess if the words on the page are good, then then that kind of compensates for the level of ability of the actors. Yeah, I mean, they kind of speak themselves. That's what I think, but but I don't know. I'm just kind of a, I mean, I'm just a hack. I don't know anything about, I kind of, I'm not an English person. I'm kind of more of a psychology person, (laughs) but um Thankfully, we have a couple of arts reporters that are English kind of theater types, and um, Christine Kim did a great job, um, and she's done some interviews and so on about Twelfth Night, so I'm going to play what she's put together, and thank you, Christine, for doing that, and uh, if we're lucky, Sahara is also going to come in and talk about seeing Twelfth Night. UBC Theatre kicks off their 2014-15 season with the popular romantic comedy everyone knows as Twelfth Night. Shakespeare's Twelfth Night has managed to stay relevant to society today, as evidenced by the current popularity of different renditions of the play, like the movie She's the Man. I got to get a backstage glimpse of the unique twist in UBC Theatre's rendition of this timeless play by touring the set and speaking with costume designer Shelby Page. 
While the original setting of Twelfth Night is in the mythical land of Illyria, director Stephen Heatley found inspiration for the setting of the play in New Orleans and the festival of Mardi Gras. Taking this into account, Shelby Page, the costume designer, found her inspiration from modern-day cultural archetypes, like the Justin Bieber or the typical rich girl. Through such designs, she feels the audience will be able to relate to well. She hopes to depict the personality of each character in a well-understood way. Thus, the clothes are full of everything from what you would expect to see on an average student walking down the streets at UBC today to what you would expect to see on an average civilian walking down the streets of New Orleans back in the 20th century. Over these layers of New Orleans culture and current day pop culture, the stage itself undoubtedly exemplifies the atmosphere of a mythical unknown land. The grandeur and beauty of the set really took my breath away. Rebecca Burke's set designer made use of levels by incorporating several different steps that led to a balcony, a foyer, and a lot more, where I could already picture how each play scene would be that much more moving in a sense with the elaborate stage. Just like the stage crew, those acting in this production are all BFA acting students who will be speaking in that Shakespearean dialogue so many of us have come to hear and study at some point in our lives. What I'm most excited with this play is the humor and laughter that I know will be evident through the jests and comedic qualities of this classic romantic comedy. So take a night off from studying or working or whatever you do on a regular basis and come down to the Freddie Wood Theater. Twelfth Night will be showing from September 25th to October 11th at 7.30 p.m. Also, for those of you UBC th students looking to come out and are interested in free tickets to the show, please email Deb Pickman at P-I-C-K-M-A-N, that's Pickman, at mail.ubc.ca for a chance to gain some free tickets. Be sure to include in the subject of your email the following. CITR Arts Report 12th Night Ticket Giveaway. That's CITR Arts Report 12th Night Ticket Giveaway. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm CITR Theatre Correspondent for the Arts Report, Christine Kim. Thanks, Christine. That was really great. And yes, we are giving away two tickets to 12th Night. So she gave out the email. So you can either email or I'll be posting about it on our Facebook and Twitter page and you can claim some tickets there. So do go see... Shakespeare set in Mardi Gras so she gave us a nice preview and she also then went to see the play and reviewed it for us so here is her take on Twelfth Night Shakespeare's Twelfth Night for those of you who don't know too much regarding the plot of the story it revolves around several characters but in particular a girl named Viola who finds herself washed up on a shore to a strange kingdom known as Illyria after a terrible storm separates her from her brother, Sebastian. Viola disguises herself as a male named Cesario and enters work as a servant to the Duke Orsino, who is in love with a girl named Olivia, who really just loves Cesario, who is actually Viola. As you can see, the plot is quite crazy, and let me tell you, the play does justice in exemplifying this. As the audience, you walk into a hazy auditorium, and before you is a gorgeous set that looks absolutely idyllic. Throughout the play, many features bring you in and out of focus. Some scenes play out on the stage, others in the far back left corner of the auditorium. 
Some characters play out Spanish accents, others English accents, and even some American. There are blips of modern features like the sound of an iPhone ringing and the shoes of high-top converse. But there are also blips of Shakespearean-era elements, like most importantly, the language in which the dialogue is spoken in and the social norms evident in the actions of the characters. This hodgepodge of anything and everything definitely gave me a little bit of a harder time to really become absorbed with the play and plot itself. However, it did do justice in making this production just as whimsical as possible. Furthermore, the true beauty of Twelfth Night really comes from its outrageous comedy and memorable playlines like, How have you made this vision of yourself? These were several moments in the play where the audience couldn't help but to burst out in laughter. Other than the comedy, this particular rendition switched the male gender of Malvolia to be that of a female gender. This definitely gave a new layer of depth to the production and really enhanced a very different take on the relationship between Malvolia and Olivia. Now, one of the suggestions I would definitely give to those of you coming in to watch the play without knowing much about the play at all is to do some research beforehand. Take a look at the plot summary and maybe even read a few scenes. The Shakespearean language is definitely something that is not easily understood if you haven't really heard it much before. Plus, many of the jokes come precisely from the dialogue of the play, so I would definitely suggest coming in with some foreknowledge of the play itself to help you along. Some key actors that I really felt did an outstanding job opening night of the production was Thomas Elms, who played Sir Andrew, Catherine Ferguson, who played Antonia, and Zach Wolfen, who played Sebastian. As a UBC student to another UBC student, take a fun night out, enjoy the hard work of these talented BFA students by checking out Twelfth Night. You will undoubtedly have some great laughs. The production runs until October 11th at the Freddie Wood Theatre with curtains at 7.30pm. Thanks for listening. I'm Christine Kim. Thanks, Christine. That was awesome talking about Twelfth Night. Now, Sahar is here. She has been away. She was our arts intern for the summer. Now she's back and she's got her own show. And oh, oh, wait, I'm going to turn you on. Sit real close. Thanks, Sahar. So um, you were so tell us kind of catch up. You went Home? I went back to Hong Kong, which is where my family's living right now, and I was there for only two weeks, so not a long um, period of time, and um, I came back in September, and I've just been busy with, like, school madness ever since, so. You're in yeah. your fourth year, right? No, fifth. Okay, fifth. <laughs> yeah. I'm in my fifth year also. <laughs> I'm graduating this year, though, so. Me, me too. Really? Oh, awesome. Oh, yes. Otherwise, they'll kick me out, like. I'm not allowed to stay any longer. <laughs> How is your thesis coming along? Uh, well, I thank you for asking. I defended my proposal last week, and my <coughs> my professor was like, I think that went great. And I was like, really? Because they just told me to, like, redo a huge chunk of it. But, yes, I'm moving forward slowly but surely. Thank <coughs> you for asking. That's good. And you have your own show now. Well, not really. Okay. What's well, the happening? demo was approved, but I still I'm still waiting for a time slot. Okay. So I think that'll be a while, and I'm still sick, so I have to wait yeah. until my voice recovers before I can actually go on the radio properly. So yes. Yeah. Although you know, I've done it like voiceless almost after I came really? back from Miami. <laughs> I was so burnt out and sick, and I had no voice, and I was like fe- <coughs> fevered and broke, and oh. like back from Miami, and I was just like 
crackling. Uh, so you just yeah, do it. Yeah, I just don't want to add my coughing soundtrack to, <laughs> to like whatever I'm, whoever I'm interviewing. It's so just, just tell us a bit about the show and then tell us okay, about 12th so, Night. Okay, like, so um, it's called The Social, <coughs> sorry, Focus. And um, it's basically about social entrepreneurship and people who've started initiatives on campus and in Vancouver or even globally. And basically it's about um, people who've, pinpointed a social issue and they've um, decided to do something about it like whether it's a campaign or like a business oriented venture but something with a social focus and um, I'm planning to interview UBC students and like other people in the community and alumni so hopefully I'll be able to get a lot of people on the show and like talk about their projects and like totally and also excellent networking too yeah but it's like a learning experience for me too because I'm not necessarily an expert on social entrepreneurship but I want to learn more about it. And I mm-hmm. feel like it would be a great opportunity to like hear from people who are involved in the field. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Excellent. Well, fantastic. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You worked really hard over the uh, summer thanks. here. So tell us about Twelfth Night. Mm. Yeah, so I actually watched Twelfth Night um, Thursday night last week. Um, I got a media pass from her campus, which is the magazine that I'm editing this year. And um, it was a really, really good show. Like, I've never watched a UBC play before, so I did not know what to expect. And um, the the theater was so beautiful, like, the setting. Um, and, like, I feel like they really created the mood very effectively. And um, I really liked the kind of the modern day spin to it as well. Um, I liked how they had like the wacky rave like attire, like the different characters, and like um, and like everyone was just so talented. Like the actors were amazing, especially the lady who played. I think um, she plays Maria. Her name is Gazel Azarbad. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. Um, she's so talented. Like the comedic timing was perfect, and like I really enjoyed like her role in the play. Yeah. So did you have a chance to watch it as well? No, I haven't. No, I just, I went to, oh, what is he, The Tempest, a bar on the beach <coughs> in the summer. But that was, and I saw, I was telling Michael, I saw uh, Julius Caesar in Langley. Oh, okay. Like it was like an outdoor thing in Langley, just done, done by regular people. Mm. And, you know, my theory that, I've already said it, so I won't repeat it for the listeners. <laughs> Just that I think anybody can do Shakespeare. You don't have to anybody be a great actor. Really? I think anybody can, but when they're a good actor, like you said, mm. then it really comes across well. Yeah, but I love the modern spin on Shakespeare. Yes. Like having read it in high school and not finding it particularly interesting. Yeah. And like, it's nice to see like the Mardi Gras spin yeah. on like the play. It's interesting how... Like, it <coughs> carries over. Do you know what I mean? They do do these inter- modern interpretations of Shakespeare, and yeah. it carries over well, you Yeah, know? that's true. And it's not, like, it's interesting to see, like, like females playing males and, mm-hmm. like, vice versa. Like, yeah. and they're so talented. Like, I was, like, really, really impressed. <laughs> but I'm a theater newbie, so every time I watch um, um, a play, I'm just really, really impressed by the acting and like the work that people put into it Mm -hmm. because I can imagine how many hours it must have taken for them to like rehearse their lines and like get everything perfect because especially like in the beginning there was this one scene where like um they like the the entire theater is dark and like literally in a matter of three seconds um the cast appears on the set of the play so like they turn on the lights after three seconds and you have like people like assembled on the um on the theater and like they're like in their outfits and like they're all ready to go like that was really really impressive 
excellent yeah. <laughs> so you'd recommend of, it yeah for sure it's um it's it's a really like good play and let me look <clears throat> i know christine said before um how long it's running it's um Until the 11th of October. Okay, so there's still a while. We're giving away tickets, so we're going to do that on social media. Yep. Um, but also, if you manage to jot down the information um, that Christine gave out, you can email directly. So definitely. That's great. And was there music? There was, yeah. There what was some dance music? sequences. Um, I don't remember, actually. Mm -hmm. I don't think... There were any songs it was just like dancing to music so Fun. yeah yeah well, i hope you feel better it's I like so funny too. how it's september just... starts and then it's like sick time i know it just starts going around i hope it just um goes away really fast though yeah this is terrible <laughs> yeah it feels awful and yet yeah. you came in anyway and you're still going yeah. to classes i guess uh, yeah i have to so yeah because this is gonna go on for like another month like, I know when I get sick, it takes me so long to recover. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, Great. thank you for having me. My pleasure. Please come back anytime. Yeah, it was so nice to see you. Like, I yes. really wanted to see you today because it's been so long. That makes me feel so good. You actually <laughs> like to see me. Yeah. Like, it's been, like, almost a month. Wow. Well, it's nice to see you, too. Yeah. yeah. And you missed the Fringe Festival. We were oh. hoping... <laughs> hoping to oh. get you working on the French festival but we did it we did a good job as best we could covering the French festival uh, and Rohit is also here and he's going to talk about some films he's he has seen at I presume the Vancouver International Film Festival but first we're going to talk to Michael so he can chat and then be free to move on with his no doubt exciting evening oh let me put you up there so welcome, Michael. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Yeah, so we last had you on when you were doing a really interesting project uh, about drawing at the speed of sound. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say the speed of light, but that's a lot faster. Yeah, I don't think not, you not could actually yet. draw at the speed of light. I'm, I'm working my way there. <laughs> yeah. So that was a really successful venture. So maybe just remind us about that and then move us forward in time to now. Uh, well, for the past five years, I've been Canada's official war artist, so uh, I've had an opportunity to do a couple of really unique experiences. I go up to the North Pole and then fly around in a fighter jet plane and uh, make drawings of the landscape while we were going at the speed of sound. And um, so all that work, I've, all the summer, I've actually been traveling, making work based on all the drawings and sketches that I made in the plane. Well, I know from following you on Facebook yeah. that you've been traveling. You spent quite a lot of time in France, yes, right? Yes, yeah. And I was so I was doing residency in France that followed a trip in Spain. And while I was in Spain, I was walking the Camino de Santiago, um, which is uh, a really amazing trip for that I encourage anybody to do. It's I mean, whether for whatever reason you want to do it for, um, but I was going out there trying to make. Um, over a hundred drawings over a period of just over a week, walking three hundred kilometers. Wow! So you drew on the Camino. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it was you know walking three hundred k, like f about fifty kilometers every day, and trying Holy. to do a bunch of drawings. <laughs> yeah. So I have so many questions yeah. because people that follow the show know that I talk about the Camino way often, yes. and there was a movie that recently played. Um, at a documentary that played at uh, the Cinematheque or the 
Vancouver International Film Festival mm-hmm. theater about that, and okay. I listen to music, and I think there's a book out, and yeah. it's just such an iconic thing to do. So it's yeah. a medieval pilgrimage that millions of people have taken since medieval times, going from the Pyrenees. Is that how you say it? Um, yeah, actually, I've never really... I think it's Pyrenees. Pyrenees, yeah. Pyrenees yeah. thank you. <laughs> In France, yeah, and right then, at the border. And then you go to... The cathedral. Yeah, so you're walking all the way across the country, up and down, over top of mountains, and then through desert areas, and then through little villages and big cities, and it's it's you have a whole range of experiences while you're doing it, and and some people go in groups, and some people go as couples, and some people in school groups, and I was just doing it all by myself, and it was kind of a very internal mm-hmm. uh, trip for me. And what is it safe? Like, is it a safe route? I would say so. I mean, I certainly didn't see anything that... Uh, I mean, I think there might be the occasional theft of something if you left something somewhere. But uh, I think the the spirit of it is because people... The, this The route is going through a relatively poor area, and they really kind of depend on the pilgrims mm-hmm. to go through mm-hmm. there for, for, you know, for people stopping for lunch or water or staying in the, the pilgrim hostels. So I think they're very... Um, you know, they, they would be very concerned if, if, uh, word got out that there was problems on there because that would, you know, fewer people would Mm -hmm. do the, the Camino. I'm not one for hostels, to be honest. (laughs) Are there, like, what are the accommodations like? Are there nice hotels along the way or is it only hostels? (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Well, actually, it varies quite a lot. There's, there's, um, you know, nice hotels you can stay in and then there's, uh, but those are, you know, 100 euros a night. But the hostels are 5 euros to 10 euros oh, a night, really? which is like 8 bucks, 10 bucks. And and I think part of the spirit of doing the Camino is kind of humbling yourself <laughs> and staying. I know. And you, and you see a full range of people. Yeah. Like there's, you know, you have people who are almost homeless mm-hmm. who are doing it. And then you see people who appear to be very wealthy who are doing it. And everybody's staying in the same room and it kind of there's a a feeling to that which is uh very special that everyone's sharing this communal experience and going through the same thing and what was it like to get to the cathedral uh well you know oddly enough it was kind of uh very underwhelming like after uh especially because the way that the 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 road kind of comes into the town uh of santiago and it uh it, it kind of enters through the back entrance of the cathedral. So you don't, it wasn't until I, I left that you walk out into this grand plaza and you see the, the huge facade, which is really beautiful. Um, but uh, the actual history of the community, there's reasons for all this, mostly because, um, you know, I, I mean, there's different kind of class issues at, at play. But at one time, when you had all these extremely smelly, Pilgrims who've been walking for months on end, and their clothes are literally in tatters by the time they got there. Um, so they would kind of funnel them in through the side, and then um, and they actually have a, the most interesting tradition is this huge uh, incense that they they burn and and they fling it from one end of the the nave of the the church back and forth, and it's it's I mean it's it looks super dangerous if if that flung off because it's about <laughs> a ten foot tall thing of burning incense cool and uh yeah it's um 
And that is, of course, also intended to reduce the, the odors. In right? The... <laughs> yeah. Did you draw the giant incense thing? Uh, I did. I was wow. doing a little bit of sketching inside the church. Uh, but by that time, it was the my pilgrimage was sort of over mm-hmm. by that point. And so I was mostly doing landscapes of the along the way. So are you going to show those, uh, the Camino pictures that yeah, you've drawn? Yeah, eventually. I'm, right okay. now I'm putting it all together as a book, and I'm doing a bunch of writing related oh, to beautiful. all that. Yeah, yeah you are, you're a very dedicated, hardworking artist, which is why I think you've been successful oh, at it, okay. because you have that grounded ability to get things done. And, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Follow through with some of the, you know, some people aren't, some artists aren't very good at self-promotion, and mm-hmm. I think you do that piece well also. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it might also be I just have a hard time sitting still. I mm-hmm. always need to be doing something and yeah. going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about what's happening now. Um, this Saturday you have an event, Space Melt. So what's this all about? So we are celebrating the fifth anniversary of Space Melt. We uh, met, three three of us met, Sam Davidson, Terry Haran, and I. We met at the BAMP Center in 2009. And uh, I'm a visual artist, as we've just been talking about, but Sam's a clarinet player, and, and Terry Haran is a recorder, a recordist or, and a recorder um, like a yeah although she has like I mean there's the little tiny ones that you kind of see on in paintings and stuff but she also has these giant ones that are taller than herself that, and um, and that she mics up into into the computer and it makes all these very oh my strange gosh. she's sounds. a cool recorder player oh yeah I was just my mom's <laughs> t- I hope my mom is listening because <laughs> I have been like making fun of her a little bit because she's taking recorder lessons mm-hmm. but she loves it and now. Here's an artist who's made recorder. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's I think one of the cool things about Terry and Sam is they're both taking these instruments, um, like the clarinet, which are kind of, I mean, I would say kind of maybe the less cool instruments <laughs> from band <laughs> class. Although, and, and, wait, I was gonna ask about <laughs> Sam. Is he the same Sam from the Brastronauts? He is. The yes, I knew I recognized because you said Banff. Uh, Cultural center, right? And yeah. that that's where they met. So That's right. That's yeah. right. Did you see Brastronaut at the Folk Festival? Yes, or... I did, yeah. And I interviewed Sam and Tarek uh, from okay, the band. Yeah. So that's why it's like crazy connection there. What a small world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you should go to Space Melt. I think Saturday. I should. <laughs> yeah. so that's really cool. I was like, I had to hold my tongue for a second. I'm like, wait a minute, this has got to be the same Sam. How many exactly. Sams playing the clarinet at band? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome. Glad yeah. to hear that. Well, I mean that's I mean that's a it's it's great that you point that out because Sam and Terry and everybody else that is involved are you know they're for Space Melt they're they're coming as individuals but uh, generally they're performing with big name acts like a couple of musicians perform and tour with Dan Mangan and um, some of the visual artists are you know Tim Bernard you know, he, he studied at Yale University and. He's a really well-known artist and, and illustrator who lives here in Vancouver now. Um, Janice Chung, she is the founder or one of the founders of Yaktak, which is a really well-known local gallery here in town, and as well as being an artist herself. So there's, I mean, it's for me, it's really exciting because the idea of Space Melt is to bring together all of these different artists and musicians who are incredibly well accomplished, and we bring them into one room. And then we create something. And we kind of all come in with some different ideas, but it's a, a melt, really, that's what happens. You have all of this, these collisions of different styles and backgrounds, and then 
something magical occurs. So it's like a jam, a multidisciplinary jam. Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's uh, it's there is a it's definitely an improv element, which is mm -hmm. one of the most exciting things to to this whole thing is that um, what we want as performers to create is an atmosphere where everyone is is kind of nervous and thinking like I don't know what's going to happen in five minutes from now. Um, which, uh, you know, maybe for somebody who's listening thinks like, oh, man, that's kind of maybe that's not going to be good. But but uh, as I said, all of these people are kind of the top of their fields. And we've been doing this now for five years. And every time we do it, it blows people away. Whenever people come to the show, they're kind of thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I like experimental music or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they leave thinking, holy crow, when are you, are you guys going to do more of these? Are you touring this? What's, you know. So it's... I like that you you didn't swear. You said "Holy Crow." <laughs> Thank you, the CRTC. Thanks. Yeah. No, that sounds that sounds really great. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, you've you've done it for five years in a row. So you you've developed confidence, but you don't know what it will look like. Yeah, you, we sort of you you create an atmosphere where everyone you know there's there's certain things that we've we've kind of talked about and and certain things that people are going to bring. Um, different materials are going to bring and and but once that starts happening and depending on how many people get into the space like we're going to be moving around and the and the audience is going to be kind of asked to move and um so it's, so it's a very dynamic space and and there's also it's a very it's time sensitive unlike a lot of experimental music which might go on for hours and hours we're doing two 30 minute sets so it's like it's People and there's actually a clock counting down, so people are are very aware that this is not going to drag on infinitely. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. looking at your watch. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's very considerate. I wish bands would do that. I wish rock <laughs> bands would do that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so you know, and the other thing too, I really want to stress is we're shooting a video for this. We're documenting the whole thing, and because we want to get make this more and more well known, so that we can get funding and we can tour it across the country and globally and um and so for this show we're doing a pay as you want uh ad cool. admission fee structure so if there's people out there who are curious but you know they're like oh, i don't want to pay 30 dollars to go see something that may or may not be good like it's total it's free if you can't pay we just want to stack it full of people that's really nice so take a chance absolutely and i guarantee you won't be disappointed like right you'll on. You'll see something that is going to blow your mind for sure. Excellent, and there's also sort of an opening act, the Tiny Pyramids. Yeah, but that's another whole new thing. So every time we do this, we add in something new, a new curveball into it. And so uh, one of them was to add more than one visual artist besides myself. So now we've got three visual artists who are collaborating with me simultaneously, um, and then we have an opening act. Um, although what. We've sort of, we're sort of playing with what it means to be an opening act, but Tiny Pyramids is a group um, that uh, is uh, how to describe their. They are influenced by the music of Sun Ra, who <laughs> is one of the. I don't even know if I could try and describe Sun Ra's music, but maybe jazz psychedelic. Jazz is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely psychedelic jazz is like the the appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Colin Cowan, who is the guy that he's one of the members of the band and, and the founder and the, the guy who runs China Cloud, which I'm sure many people are, are familiar with. He's in the band. He plays bass. 
uh, is Dan Gauthier, who's playing drums, and he actually was at the very, very first Space Melt back at the Banff Center we did, and, and Tyson Naylor, who's a very accomplished keyboard player in tours with Dan Mangan and won a Juno Award with Dan. Nice. Excellent. So that's this Saturday, October 4th, doors are at 9 p.m. at Sideshow Studios. So that's 15 West 2nd Avenue, two blocks west of Main Street. And that's nice. Pay what you can. Yeah. It's nice because a lot of people don't have money to go out to things. And then once you have drinks and all that stuff, it for sure. turns into an expensive night mm-hmm. for people, for students. Yeah. And especially for students. But uh, this is something students could vibe on. I, I'll definitely spread the word. This sounds like yeah. a really cool uh, project. Well, it's right on the number 84 bus line. Oh, right there you go. Get to Main Street. That's yeah. All you UBC students <laughs> listening out there. Yeah, you can come on over and check it out, <laughs> and then you can walk right around there. It's right next to the Athletes Village and go get a beer there. Or, yeah. Yeah, or hang out with the performers afterwards. Uh, oh, that's great. You can just chill with the performers, talk with them. People yeah. are open to that. Oh, yeah, of course. That's of course. great. Yeah, it's it's a very open environment. Awesome. Excellent. And you sent us a video. This is Space Melt at China Cloud. So last year? Yeah. Yeah. Last year, our fourth year performance. So we do at least one every year. And uh, that one had a had a similar um, uh, ensemble together. We, we had, um, uh, but it's slightly smaller and it was much more intimate space. Whereas Sideshow Studios is a little bit bigger and it's, we're actually doing that show in the round. Whereas the one that we did last year was kind of more traditional, with there was a stage and we're performing on the stage. Mm-hmm. So we're every time we do these, we're trying to trying to you know we we look at at the results of last year's and like how could we totally you know throw a wrench into this and uh, and uh, upset the expectations of the audience and you know challenge all the musicians and performers, especially those of us who've been doing it for a few years and. You know, once you start getting comfortable, that's when we throw the the, uh, <laughs> the wrench in it. Wow, it sounds really cool. Well, thank you for coming on and talking about it. It yeah. was so nice of you to come all the way up well, to thanks, UBC. Sarah. And I want you to stay in touch about what you have coming up next, definitely. Sure. Uh, the Camino stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah, anything yeah. else you have uh, with the F-18, the speed <laughs> of sound yeah. stuff. Yeah, Excellent. well, if I can just really quickly mention sure. for people, they can go to uh, spacemelt.ca, and that actually is just l- linking directly to the Facebook event page, and so they can check out information about that, and they can watch the, the video that you're, you've just been talking about. Okay. I don't think, uh, it's, it's, again, it's one of these things that people just have to see to believe. It's hard to describe. <laughs> That's great. And I hope to see lots of people out yeah. there. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll go. Yeah, that, that'd be really cool. <laughs> Okay, here they are, Space Melt from last year. And thanks again, Michael Markowski, for coming yeah, in to get support. We'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you. 
Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. As the Arctic ice melts, oil companies are moving north to drill for more fossil fuels. An oil spill in the Arctic would have catastrophic consequences, both on humans and wildlife. That is why millions around the world believe that the Arctic needs to be protected now. On Saturday, October 4th, bring some wheels and ride for the Arctic across Vancouver with Greenpeace. Come to Connaught Park at 10th Avenue West and Vine Street at noon. Bring your friends, family, and colleagues, and start being part of the solution. A message from Greenpeace. Hi, we're back on the Arts Report. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. It's nice to have people in the studio. Co-host Rohit <laughs> is here. Yay. I just dropped by. He Matt. just dropped by. <laughs> like, he just can't. You know, why would he stay away from the arts <laughs> report? Because there's so much to talk about. Sahar was here talking about Twelfth Night and Michael Murkowski. So both of you saw films at the Vancouver International Film Festival, which I'm ashamed to say I have not been following. There's still time, There's Sarah. still time. <laughs> there's still time. Are there still passes? Yeah, there are, actually. Okay. Uh, you can check on our door. Um, I think I think most of the days that are coming up right away okay. are taken, but okay. next week there's okay. a few slots, so you can I figure can. you can figure something out. I hope. Excellent. So you went to see Violent, uh, which was directed by Andrew uh, Husiliak. I, I can't say his name. It's very it's very hard to pronounce. But he's the drummer from We Are the City, and uh, this film was set in Norway. So it's a Canadian rock band, indie Canadian rock band. Uh, directing a film in Norway 
it's mostly in Norwegian, and that seems to be a really like strange thing. At least that's how I took it. I was like, how? Wait, why? How did this come about? But you you go into it with an open mind, and you realize that this movie, it's it's almost like a really epic music video, and that's actually how they described it. It's like at first they just wanted some this really you know cool music video to go with their new album and then they wanted to make it like a short film and then they said hey why not just make it a feature length film uh and as a result they did and um they decided to go to norway just because it's a place that uh, they had some interest in already and uh they wanted to get some inspiration because they wanted to go to an environment that was completely foreign to them for this inspiration so the music uh, the movie takes I think it's a very like visual it's like a very visual and sound based movie it's 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 all about the aesthetics it's all about the cinematography um yet it's also got this story uh, a very personal story of a girl named Dagny uh just this young Norwegian girl um moving out of her hometown trying to get a new life trying to actually uh meet up with her best friend or be- in the in the surprise her best friend who's living in a town called Bergen in Norway, um, which is the only town in, in Norway, (laughs) Oslo, right? Oslo. I I I always forgot. I always forget that Oslo's the, like that really big city in Norway. Bergen's supposed to be really nice. Have you been there? No, no. Surprised. That's the thing. Uh, Bergen is like, see, this is the thing. The movie really use, utilizes the beauty of Norway, but also like the haunting desolateness at times, because, Norway's, uh, you know, not filled with that many people. And when it gets gray, it for some reason gets really depressing. <laughs> like, the, like just in some parts of Bergen are beautiful, right? Right by the water. But then you get some industrial parts. And that's where this girl is living. She gets a job uh, in, in this family friend's place. And it's, it's just like a utility store, like tools and utility. And she's living in this really kind of uh grungy industrial area that's that when it so that when the weather is great reflects her like lonely situation of just living above this store in the small cramped room her best friend actually ends up leaving the town that uh you know this was the whole reason for her getting there was like oh my best friend's gonna be there it's gonna be awesome but she actually ends up uh going because her boyfriend's in stockholm and so as a result, Dagny finds herself alone in this town, just trying to get by on the day to day. And um, you'll—I don't want to spoil too much—but the movie is kind of divided into chapters, and these chapters are different people she says goodbye to. So at first, it's her little sister, then it's that best friend, then it's an assortment of other really interesting characters that you'll get to meet uh, as the movie progresses, and. Um, I would say that you have to be patient if if you, you got to come into this movie uh with a bit of an open mind because it's really got a lot of silent moments. It's very much a uh an introspective movie. As you watch it, you can't help but like get caught up in your own thoughts just like the character does. And you see a lot of scenes where the character is just doing ordinary things just trying to entertain herself because she she is in a very isolated situation. Um it's it's also very existential. So if you're into that kind of movie that really makes you dwell on the meaning of life <laughs> and uh you know or dwell the lack on there and or the lack <laughs> it's very much so in this movie it's like that constant tension between trying to make meaning out of nothing mm-hmm. and trying to gain some kind of 
you know, satisfaction even when you are by yourself and lonely? Or are you are you lonely in your most intimate moments most of the time of life? That's actually the movie's question that it puts out, posits to the audience. Like even in those moments where you have other people, you're still occupying yourself. You only know what you think. So these kind of big, profound questions, you know, they get dealt with in... Uh, it's not in a pretentious way. It, the movie's not trying to go over your head. It is trying to, you know, get you to think about these things, but it's not trying to be too ambiguous or too... It, it's open to interpretation, but there is a plot line underneath it all, and it does get resolved, in a sense, by the end of it. Um, oh. So I recommend it. It's something that uh, I'm really impressed with. This This is the first film made by Andrew Husiliak. I I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. I'm sorry, Andrew. Uh, he's a, by the way. You, I, you, if you ever talk to We Are the City, they're great people. They had a Q and A at the end, so I got to talk to them, and they. That's how I kind of got like some of their intentions about the movie. So they're really genuine guys. They and very humble, but really, I I mean this like for a first time feature film, this is incredible, and the visuals are fantastic. Your enthusiasm kind of rose as you were talking about <laughs> yeah. it. Started off because the... I, I, when I think about it, I have to actually realize that yeah, this is this is quite an incredible achievement. It's a ba- this is a band after all. They're mm-hmm. they they're mostly about music, but they just decided to engage in this really ambitious project. And you know what? Good for them. That that's awesome. no matter what you think of the movie, you'll you'll be impressed with the scale of this production. Excellent. Um, so the show times remaining are October second tomorrow night at four p.m. at the Rio Theater, and October tenth at three forty-five p.m. at SFU Woodwards. And so you can check out viff.org for more information on that film of violence. That's yeah, that Discorder review. sponsored. Oh, yeah. Discorder sponsored. <laughs> yeah. Now, Michael, you went to see Pulp about Jarvis Cocker. That sounds really exciting. Tell us. Yeah, well, um, uh, it certainly wasn't as ambitious as the film that you saw. Um, it's more of a straight-ahead, just concert film. Basically, the the band Pulp uh, broke up, I think, in 2002, and, and Jarvis talks about how it just sort of ended, and it, it, there was no kind of closure to to that. And so he really wanted to... to, to to bring it to some sort of resolution. So about 12, 10 years later, they they got back for this reunion and had this one, or maybe it was a tour, but that ended in their in their hometown in somewhere in England, some town I can't remember offhand. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're a fan of Pulp, if you're a fan of Jarvis Cocker, I'm sure you'll love it. I mean, he gets a lot of time to talk, and, and you just see him at home making himself lunch and, you meet some of the other people in the band and and learn a little bit about them, and it's kind of interesting also just seeing a band that is older and kind of their thoughts on the band, you know, in, in reflection all these years later. And uh, there's also a lot of interviews um, with people, the fans of the band. I think that's one of the more interesting parts of it because they they you realize how how music touches so many different people in so many different ways from so many different. Uh, uh, um, classes and backgrounds like there's you know you're there's people who were you know 20 at the time and now they're in their 40s and they have kids and then there's some people who are you know 18 from the states who got touched by the music many years later were never even of age when the band was in its heyday and then you have these people these senior citizens that that uh those are kind of the more surprising ones that were maybe 
a little bit older, you know, where they were 40 at the time, and now they're like 70 or whatever. <laughs> and That's they're just scary. like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and they're looking back on, on those moments too. And, and they're people you would never, you would, if you walked by on the street, said they would never be a fan of pulp. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great fun movie. There's, it's certainly not the big, big ideas of, uh, of the other film, but um, it's well worth seeing. It's, I mean, I, I would recommend it. Oh, good. Excellent. I kind of feel like playing a pulp song, but I have to talk <laughs> yeah. about these other things. Um, but there's one more showing of pulp. It's October 5th at 4 p.m. at the Rio Theater. So we're going to continue our coverage of the Vancouver International Film Festival next week. So we've got six minutes left, and I have to talk about two things. Um, we don't do many book reviews anymore, but hmm. I got this review called The Elusive Mr. Pond. It's a book about a Canadian historical figure. He was a soldier, a fur trader, and explorer who opened the Northwest. And uh, it's a very lovely, well-written book um, by Dr. Barry Gow. He's speaking tomorrow at UBC. Oh, wow. And um, where is the details? (laughs) Oh, I don't have the details. It's tomorrow, October 2nd at 4 p.m., at the Dodson in, in the Dodson room at the Irving K. Barber Learning Center. So I'm oh, going to cool, post yeah. something about that. And you know what? I'm going to go home and write a review of this book because actually, you know, Canadian history isn't known for being terribly exciting. But, but it is. But it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you can imagine this country before it was mm-hmm. like when it was completely almost empty mm-hmm. and and its vastness and and people coming in and trying to find their way and 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 some of the issues as you know, between the Aboriginal people and the French and the English and um, fur traders. And some of my own relatives actually were fur traders up in the north. And really? so I have to shout out to them, the Turners. <laughs> um, and uh, my great uncle Dick Turner wrote a book called Wings of the North about his life as a fur trap. Uh, for Trapper. It's a hard life, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe we can talk about the book a bit more, but I do want to draw attention to the event and I'm going to post something tonight. Uh, The book is by Dr. Barry Gow. It's called The Elusive Mr. Pond, The Soldier, Fur Trader, and Explorer Who Opened the Northwest. So he was quite pivotal, but what makes him different is that he wasn't literate. So a lot of other... Hmm explorers and cartographers were educated and they were able Mm. to leave diaries and so on and he left very little documentation yet he was very um that's why they call him elusive yet he was very sort of charismatic had sort of a darker side he was implicated in some murders and he did do (laughs) a lot of uh important work up in in the north so definitely check it out and and the writing's really good it it it, it's it's light reading yet full Mm -hmm. of good information now the other thing i'm going to talk about is opera so i love to cover opera and carmen is here oh yes i I just saw it in the georgia street actually the yes and um it's a very popular opera it opened on last saturday the 27th there's a few more showings actually um just tomorrow october 2nd then friday october 3rd saturday october 4th and sunday october 5th so you can check out vancouveropera.ca now our wonderful arts reporter james connell is going on friday he's going to write a review for us Um, but i just wanted to talk about the opera a little bit i'm not that familiar with it but it was first performed in paris in 1875 and it was not particularly successful um it was an opera comique, so kind of light and funny. Spoiler, Carmen dies. What? You didn't know that? <laughs> I actually just found out that today. Um, so 
uh, Don Jose is a naive soldier who is seduced by the fiery gypsy Carmen, um, and sort of all these dramas ensue um, when Don Jose loses Carmen's love to the glamorous Torridor. Is that a like a matador? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then Jose kills her in a jealous rage. So that's how it all unfolds. Um, but so it was criticized at the beginning. Um, but yet the music, since then, the music has been widely acclaimed for its brilliance of melody, harmony, atmosphere, and mm. orchestration. And the scale with which, which with the composer George Bizet musically represented the emotion and suffering of his characters. And I would argue that um, the aria, which I'm going to pull up here, um, from Carmen is the most, wouldn't you agree, the most known I don't know. I'll have to hear it. Aria. Yeah, it's... Okay, um, I'm going to start to play it. I know I've heard of this opera, and I'm sure I've heard you one of its... You will recognize yeah. it, because it's the most recognizable... Uh, it's the most recognizable opera aria in the world. So we're going to play oh, it. Oh, I think I know this one. And we're going to say is... goodbye. I'll let you say if you recognize it when I turn it on. But then All Ears is on the way at 6 o'clock. And next awesome. week we're going to be back with Rohit and I are going to... We're going to work out something. We're going to work out something. Yeah. Like, we're definitely going to do some VIF coverage, VIF reviews, uh, and maybe some interviews as well. Excellent. Some students on campus about, like, things going on here. And I'm looking forward to some Halloween special events coming up. There's, like, there's a musical version of Carrie, the Stephen King. uh, (laughs) A musical. (laughs) (laughs) We have to send someone out to that. But, anyways. I want to make room for all ears, so stay tuned to CITR 101.9 FM. Thank you, Christine Kim's hair, Rohit, and Michael Markowski for coming in. So this is Carmen. Go see the Vancouver Opera version. Stay tuned for all ears. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Is it like oh, on ads on and everything? Headphones. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the Arts Report. <laughs> 